0: Welcome to The Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bela Musitz.
1: And I'm Mike Wasserman.
0: Today, we are excited to be joined by Magda Khalifa. Magda is the founder of a line of fragrances called Triangle Fragrance. But her path to becoming an entrepreneur was definitely unconventional. Magda founded her business after serving in the U.S. military and authored a book called American dream, discipline, resilience, endurance, adaptability, and mentorship to succeed and win in life.
1: Bela, this is a fascinating example of entrepreneurship as maybe we could call it as a healing mechanism. Um, It's an interesting story of a veteran who, as you said, took a really unconventional path uh, to get back on her feet. I mean, first she witnessed the nine 11 terrorist attacks in New York city, and then she enlisted in the military and did a tour of duty in Iraq. Um, and then after she got back kind of looking to find her way and to write the next chapter in her story, uh, she turned to entrepreneurship. Great story, isn't it Bela?
0: Yeah. I really enjoyed my conversation with Magda and, you know, thinking about entrepreneurship, um, You know, there's various different ways that people do what they do, right? Some people are born and they say, you know what? I'm going to be a musician. Uh, You know, by the time they're five years old, they know what they're going to be. Or I'm going to be a medical doctor or I'm going to be a college professor. Uh, And other people, you know, take a different route. And sometimes something happens in someone's life uh, that forces them uh, to reevaluate or just forces them outright to change what they are doing. Uh, You know, and it's been well studied and known that oftentimes traumatic experiences uh, make people change things in their life. Uh, There's lots of stories of people's relationships uh, terminating uh, or either because of a divorce or a death uh, or some serious illness uh, or somebody getting laid off or fired from their job. And then that results in forcing them uh, to try something new. And oftentimes, these are entrepreneurial things. And, on, and that's the beginning of their entrepreneurial path. Uh, so it's not unusual uh, that this happens. Um, and uh, in many ways, it's, it is the path to recovery. It's the path to dealing with it. So not only are you being an entrepreneur, are you building a business or starting a business, you're starting a new chapter in your life, and it's helping in that healing process of getting over the trauma or that that drastic change that you just experienced, so it was a really it's really an interesting story. And uh, so let's uh, get right into the interview with Magda. Hello, listeners. Uh, today I am here with a wonderful, wonderful guest, uh, a U.S. Army combat veteran, a best-selling author, a business owner, and a veteran of the uh, two tours of Iraq. So uh, I will let her introduce herself to you.
2: Hello, Bella. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. Could you uh, tell our listeners uh, who you are and what you do?
2: Yes. My name is Magda Khalifa from New York City, and I am an entrepreneur. Uh, as, as you mentioned, I uh, wrote a book last year called American Dream, and it was a memoir which captured some of the history of my service in Iraq, uh, as well as my life before and after. Um, You know, before growing up in the New York City area and the catalyst of of seeing September 11th, 2001. And um, that's what uh, compelled me to join the service. And then I um, wrote about the transition issues that I was having afterwards after uh, service and um, the health issues I had and how I was able to push through everything and emerge on the right side of things afterwards. So I wrote the book last year. And since then I have started a fragrance line, the first veteran owned luxury fragrance line for men and women. And it ties back to the book because in the book, I discuss what I call the freedom triangle, which is three points of time freedom, health freedom, and mind freedom. And when a person achieves their freedom triangle, they have been able to reconcile their past and they're able to be limitless. They can surge their future. They find peace of mind and they really move from success to significance. So once I realized how powerful my healing, my journey was, I realized I needed to share it with the world. So I I did that with the book. So it's a combination of memoir slash self-help. Um, and introducing this idea of the freedom triangle. So that being said, the fragrance line is a product that can serve both men and women. And I'm pursuing global distribution. And a lot of folks who we literally you know, just launched <laughs> uh, just this month officially because there were some delays due to uh, the COVID situation, of course, So I was very happy to see this go live and have received a lot of feedback from uh, the first batch of customers. Inside the box, uh, um, along with the story on the back of the fragrance, I have a collector's card that is geared towards men and towards women, depending on the fragrance, with statements. You could think of them as not quite affirmations, but statements that embody the name of the fragrance such victory for men and confidence for women so the collector's cards are a big hit and i'm actually in the process of right now (laughs) finalizing the uh sense for the next line i call it the white line um because it's going to be the same uh design the white box with the gold freedom triangle whereas the first line is the red line Uh, red box with gold freedom triangle so i'm in the process of finalizing the scents for the white line which will be out this summer and by winter time we'll have the blue line and all three lines when you put them together you'll see the red white and blue so that ties back to patriotism and my love of this country and our beautiful american flag and what's nice about the red line, the white line, and the blue line is that each line corresponds with a point in the freedom triangle. So some people love the fragrance just for the fragrance sake. It's a very high concentration eau de parfum, a long-lasting quality ingredients. And what is nice about it as well is beyond the fragrance, you have the story So I'm literally working on the video right now to bring that story to the world and tie it in all together and explain how I was able to, you know, have gone through a darker part of my life and emerge stronger in, um, in a wonderful position right now. So I'm very excited about sharing, sharing this journey with the world.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, great story. So, uh, Can we just talk a little bit about uh, the book and, and sort of what's the title of the book?
2: Yes, it's American Dream and Dream is capitalized and then it's a long title. Dream is an acronym. So it's American Dream, Discipline, Resilience, Endurance, Adaptability and Mentorship to Succeed and Win in Life. So the DREAM acronym, I I wrote the book for a younger generation. Um, I'm a Gen Xer, you know, by um, definition, if you will. And what I did is I shared my story with the intent to be a bridge between the previous generation and the generations, the younger generations now. And I aim to provide lessons learned from examples of what I went through in life to serve others, to serve younger generations who may be lost and confused and maybe didn't have the same experiences, but find themselves struggling with different situations. And, you know, I feel that though I wasted, so to speak, I was functional, but I was existing, not living uh, for most of my 30s you know, here's an opportunity for people to avoid having so many missed years and some of their best years missed or or whatnot. You know, um, I provide, I didn't want to just share my story. I wanted to provide actionable steps about things that they can implement to avoid mistakes I made. So there's a lot of self-help nuggets in there, um, but it also does capture the history. And a lot of it too has to do with values that seem to have shifted obviously you know each generation brings um brings their own unique identities to the forefront but i do believe with the internet age uh the boom of the internet age and with the amount of technology that has really um permeated all of our lives that a lot of uh what i believe are core fundamental values of what makes this country great and what makes people very resilient in life um, I believe a lot of that has been sacrificed so they're still there. I do believe they are still there but they've been held back because of the environment you know the global technologically connected environment we are all living in right now and younger generations who grew up in this and did not know, quote, the old way, the hard way of doing things um, may not have or realize the resources or the resourcefulness that they will need to overcome obstacles and challenges in life and to be more resilient as as a people, as a generation, you know.
0: Right, right. Uh, Um,
2: Topics, if you will. Yeah, they were. Weaved in through the storytelling.
0: Yes. So, uh, you know, I have interviewed uh, several people who have been on the on this podcast who have written books, and and many of them uh, have gone through some challenging times in their lives, and and after that challenging time, they they wrote the book, and and they all said that writing the book was was part of the healing process for them. Uh, was that true in your case as well?
2: So. I I, when I just made the decision to write the book, because it it literally like occurred to me, (laughs) um, you know, one day uh, to write my story, to share my story so that people, you know, could get behind the curtain. Because when when you live reclusively, you know, people don't know you. They you know, it's harder to to trust. So um, when I made that decision, I was in a great place. What I did not realize after I'd written the bulk of the book, um, because writing it did not take long, um, spending time editing it over the next few months and reducing it to a third of its original size took the bulk of the time. But when I was going through that process, because I was so focused and consumed with my story and with my past, I actually experienced epiphanies in that process in those weeks. And I thought it was a good idea to include those in the book. So the audience, um, the readers go through that journey almost real time with me. Um, So I think there's value with that, because on one hand, it shows that we never stop growing, we never stop learning you know as long as our we have a growth mindset and we're open-minded and um our bodies are are in a healthy state and I, i do talk about that in the book uh that's important to be able to grow you don't want distractions so as long as we are there we're going to continue to evolve and grow and that's a good thing so i shared that journey within the book so to answer your question yes there was um Additional, uh, you know, unforeseen uh, um, therapeutic benefits that came to me in the process of writing that I did not realize I was going to experience. So that was um, always a wonderful bonus.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, it sounds like a wonderful book. And uh, if our listeners want to get it, uh, where's the best place for them to find it?
2: So it's available on Amazon. Uh, if they go to American Dream, the book dot com there are the direct links there because there are many other books obviously named american dream um and uh, they may not have the entire subtitle uh with them so american dream the book dot com and it has links to the different formats that are available um on amazon and elsewhere as well
0: well that's great and i will make sure that uh, that information is in our show notes so, Thank you. Yeah, of course. So let's take a jump to uh, Triangle fa- Fragrance. So uh, after you came, after you left the military, uh, the U.S. Army, uh, what did you do uh, right after that?
2: So for for five years, I uh, worked as a defense contractor. So it was as close to the job I had in the military, only this time I was training uh, warriors to go and do the job I did, um, specifically, uh, for a bulk of that time, I was training the Navy, um, Navy counterparts to do, you know, who were, because of the war effort and the demand, they were spun up, um, to do what we were doing, which was, uh, our, uh, civil affairs, the civil affairs mission. So a lot of these sailors came from, um, ships and submarines and, you know, where it was all about the platform, not small teams. So myself and my colleagues, uh, needed to develop a training program and provide that, uh, those skills to those, uh, or provide the training for those skills to those warriors, because they would be doing the missions that we were, that we were doing, right. you know, typically in the army and in the Marine Corps. Uh, so I did that, um, for about five years. And then, it was around 2012 um, when I started my first business. Um, left, left corporate. You know, left the defense contracting world and uh, decided to branch out on my own for for a lot of reasons. And you know, ultimately, it was it was rewarding to train others, other war fighters that were going to serve. But at the same point, um, there was a lot of frustration because. As, you know, with anything related to government contracts, there's bureaucracy and, you know, I, I got to the point where I was um, just filling a seat, if you will, on a contract and not, um, I was underutilized. And a lot of veterans, when when they transition after having such an important mission, you know, where we're dealing with lives and very, you know, relevant um, situation, you need to find A mission that is worthy upon your return otherwise it is very hard to adjust so um, because I was no longer getting that sense of purpose I needed to find my own and I think that's why entrepreneurship um, was appealing to me and also that sense of risk and um, self-reliance were big factors as well so it was a natural bridge um, so, I've been in business for eight years, and obviously, it was a service based uh, for the bulk of that time. So, uh, turning towards product based is different, but I'm very excited about it because I had been studying and recognizing the differences. Um, and while there may be more challenges on some levels, I think there's a lot more opportunity too, uh, even from a marketing and advertising standpoint, which in any business, that is such an important facet, especially today in, you know, 2020 <laughs> right now where we are globally interconnected with technology. So I, I thought the timing was right to branch out into that direction.
0: Right, right. So what inspired you to, to get into the fragrance business?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what I liked about fragrance, I've, I've always enjoyed fragrance and I've, Um, respected the power of fragrance, because uh, I do believe that fragrance can, you know, take you to uh, a great memory, a great place um, in your mind. And uh, one thing I liked about fragrance is that it could serve both men and women, because I didn't want to, you know, exclude uh, any, you know, demographic per se. So, I started looking into fragrances and I, I knew there were certain things that I wanted to do that were very important to myself and what I believed in and what I wrote about in the book. Um, and that specifically uh, was that I had to make sure it did not contain a lot of the toxins that have been found in just throughout the, the beauty industry over the years, you know, because we know, we now know um, what, what the effects are of different, uh, toxins in our environment. And, uh, and I do talk about that in the book. Um, part of the struggle I had with transition had to do with it, not what I saw or did, you know, that that's a big misconception about troops, uh, returning, you know, that they're struggling because of what they saw or did. Um, some do, but the majority are struggling because their DNAs their their DNA rather their you know the chromosomes have changed because of the toxins in the environments they were serving for a prolonged period of time, uh, toxins to include um, anything from munitions to burn pits, uh, the toxic dust from the burn pits. Afghanistan in particular, extremely dirty, dirty, dirty area with poor air quality, being you know living in those environments, um, not optimal conditions. So even if you were not in battle, per se, you're still exposed to a lot of um, environmental factors that affect your health and that lead to health issues when you return. Um, Also, I have to mention, of course, the traumatic brain injuries, the blasts. I mean, there was so much that troops are exposed to that, you know, back I say back then, but you know, at the start of the war, we didn't realize the long-term effects of these um, toxins and and blasts and injuries. Uh, But they have been very relevant, because they have um, factored in to the high veteran suicide rate, along with other factors. So that being said, when I was looking at fragrance, I, it was important to me to develop something that was not only, you know, the highest quality and pleasurable, of course, um, and that tied to the freedom triangle. Uh, those parts were easy, but um, the challenge was to uh, be able to create something that did not include, um, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, toxins that are included in a lot of um consumer products. So I was able to achieve that. And I feel very uh, fortunate to produce something that I feel comfortable wearing, that I feel safe wearing. And other people have enjoyed it as well and do like the fact that this brand, Triangle Fragrance, pays attention to those types of things. Because not all companies prioritize that. And that's definitely something that um, was very important.
0: Yes. Yes. Well said. So when somebody wants to start a fragrance business, uh, what do you do? How do you, how do you start that? I don't, I know nothing about it. So share that with our sort of listeners, sort of, you know, the first, the first two or three months, what were the big challenges? What were the roadblocks?
2: Um, a lot of research, you have to really know what it is that you're looking to develop and, you know, as I mentioned, um, the, the physical makeup was very important. Uh, a lot of fragrances that we know and love are manufactured overseas. Um, or ingredients are sourced uh, from areas of the world that I think are not that popular uh, to us right now. <laughs> so uh, that being said, I uh, had I made sure that this was made in America. That was very important to me, to my brand, uh, for a lot of reasons. So, um, research, you know, a lot of research and development, of course, trying to find the right sense to capture the spirit of the different, um, the, well, I, I start with the name, you know, so we have victory for men and confidence for women. So, I had to, or I, chose to be very specific about the scent um, makeup that I was going for. So that was just personal preference. Um, A lot of folks, you know, may think differently about the process. That's okay. I don't worry about that. (laughs) You know, I just take the same approach that I do with anything that I'm going to put my name on. Um, Details matter. And there's a lot of depth. And as time goes on, I'll be revealing more of that as more of the fragrance line uh, comes to fruition. Because right now it's still so early on, um, since we just launched this this month officially. You know, so I want more people to experience it because I know from um, from a marketing standpoint, if I overwhelm people with detail right now uh it it can be it it would be lost in other words but there are a lot of layers (laughs) uh, beyond the notes in in the fragrance and i'm very excited uh to complete the trilogy for the men and for the women um because at that point i'll be able to tell a complete story and it would people will have context you know once they have um their hands on on the different bottles and uh yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the process and looking forward to the feedback about who resonates with the different lines. Now, I have in my mind uh, <laughs> an idea of the uh, demographic that will favor each of the different lines. However, of course, we will see over time. Um, also, that will be interesting um, to see how that Corresponds with uh, global distribution because, of course, uh, it, you know, people in different parts of the world uh, value different things and it, to include different scents. So, um, very eager to get that feedback. I, you know, there's a part of me that's always analyzing everything. So, that's the, you know, I nerd out on right, <laughs> <right>. like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, w- when you think about you know, launching a, a new product in in a space that's very competitive, as the fragrance industry is. Uh, how do you think about building your brand? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Is yeah. is, is they just think, well, my product's going to be so good, people will just come. Uh, but but that may or may not be true. So, how do you think about brand? How do you promote that brand, and how do you build that brand?
2: Right. So that's a great question um, and very timely and relevant, given the circumstances we're in right now. So uh, I, I don't choose to compete with existing brands. Um, I set out to develop something that was very original, as, as I've discussed, something that was uh, very true to form to my values, my beliefs, and what I define. Uh, that being said, we are in a unique situation. Because fragrance, uh, you know, when you think of fragrance, a lot of people like to go to, you know, stores and try different ones. And unfortunately, right now, retail stores are shut down. In fact, as you know, uh, many retail stores are uh, filing for bankruptcy and um, struggling right now uh, because of the um, COVID situation. So, that being said, obviously, states are starting to reopen and some some of that will come back at some point. (laughs) It's going to vary, of course, across the country. So what I found myself having to do is to think of different tactics to advertise what I have going on because people are not able to go into a physical store and try my fragrance. And that's what I love, a, a challenge, you know. And what I realized is the internet you know, getting back to the conversation about, you know, we had earlier about uh, technology and how globally connected we are. Um, I'm speaking with distributors in Europe right now. And a lot of the uh, advertising you know, has been done through social media, through word of mouth, and uh, a lot of visual imagery, and telling the story behind the fragrance. So um, I believe I mentioned, we're you know, I'm filming the video to tell the story because I think that will help uh, connect with people. I think when people you know realize what goes into it, it's not just a beautiful box with a beautiful scent that's long lasting. There's a lot more to it. So I'm real time in the process of tying in all those things right now. And what, what I love about it is this, people are not going to stop wanting to smell good, no matter what policies are in place or what changes or you know, how many more people are gonna continue working from home versus being in an office. It doesn't matter. You know, we we care about ourselves and those that do wear fragrance are going to continue to wear fragrance. So it's all about mindset and you know identifying exactly where the opportunity is in this case, where is the opportunity to do what no one else is doing. And I have a few um, examples, one of them I I spoke about in the press release, rather than using, um, you know, strictly, uh, you know, polished uh, stock images of models, I decided to um, reach out to my network of people I know from vast walks of life, who embody victory for men, and confidence for women and gauge if they were interested in being a model for the fragrance and i could not believe the turnout and response and popularity for this i have more models now that i can keep up with and um you know trying to feature them you know i mean it, it it'll roll continue to roll out over time and um it warms my heart because i i know These folks, I know their stories Um, and it's great to be able to tell their stories because their stories represent the brands. And that's what I love about building the next great American brand. It truly is representative because a lot of people from different walks of life, um, including a lot of former uh, veterans as well and first responders are part of the triangle fragrance model. the series.
0: Right. Very nice. Very nice. mm -hmm. So, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, when, when someone launches a new product, uh, they always have to think about distribution. You know, am I going to sell it online via Amazon or am I going to sell it online on my own website or am I going to go through traditional distribution channels and retail? Uh, how have you thought about that for this product? Mm
2: -hmm. Well, prior to, um, the onset of COVID, right. Uh, My approach was initially online retail, because you certainly want to have that, uh, uh, you know, presence, that distribution channel. And then from there, uh, smaller retail uh, uh, locations across the country, and then reach out overseas as well, of course. And then um, I would like to get into larger retail distribution, but that takes time to build up the brand and get the customer testimonials and, and, and you know, build that portfolio, if you will. So a uh, time and resources, of course. So when COVID hit, um, I realized I had to, you know, pause, if you will on the prioritization of getting into retail stores across the country because the country, you know, had been locked down and, you know, we're just starting to open right now in certain areas. So the, the model continues the same throughout. Um, it's just the, it it was just bumped up a little bit in, um, due to the circumstances right now. But, you know, when you look at businesses right now that are struggling because they're, business model you know is shut down they're literally handicapped you know i, I have to say I, I do feel bad because i think there's always opportunity to pivot in businesses that truly are strong and, and run by folks who um are adaptable getting back to adaptability which is part of the acronym in my book uh american dream if you have that adaptability you will be resourceful and you will find a way to pivot so that you can not only continue to do business, but you can thrive despite the conditions of the time, despite the environment, despite regulation that handcuffs your traditional business model. So having a business that was essentially launched in the midst of this is kind of a unique situation. (laughs) Um, But but I'm grateful for it because it just makes the story even stronger.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. You know, one of the other things that entrepreneurs uh, always have a challenge with is how to price their product. Uh, And how have you kind of thought about that with the fragrance?
2: Right. Well, it's, um, there are different factors that go into the fragrance. Uh, obviously, you know, much like food, if you will, you know, higher quality ingredients and also higher, uh, long lasting concentrations price higher. So there, there are more defined, um, ranges, if you will. So I knew I wanted to create something very, very high end, but, not the highest end, you know, where uh, price points would be six hundred dollars and above. So um, I chose a an eighteen percent concentration, which is defined as an eau de parfum. So it is very long lasting versus a uh, highly concentrated perfume. That's the next level up, um, and because that would have been too far of a price point for um you know for for what i was shooting for right now also being an unknown i didn't want to launch with such a high end uh so i went with the next level if you will and um yeah from that point uh pricing was very easy to do because it's it's pretty much defined at that point you know based on on the quality and um The ingredients and the concentration, uh, the packaging and everything else. Uh, What I threw in with the collector's card, that's a little unique uh, value add and uh, part of the story, of course. So I like that it ties in all of those things. So people are are definitely getting value for the amount of fragrance they're getting, um, the quality of fragrance that they're getting. And I do have the additional two lines uh, uh, coming up. And I, I want folks who enjoy the red line to be able to afford the white line and the blue line as well. So those were all factors in developing the uh, price point.
0: Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Well said. So uh, can we take a step back and uh, uh, talk about sort of where you grew up um, and uh, Were you an entrepreneur, you know, from the early days, or is this something that developed as you grew older?
2: Yeah, um, growing up in the North Jersey area, and uh, with both parents being immigrants from two different countries, uh, you know, who met in New York City, um, you know, I was exposed to that hard work ethic, uh, as they call the immigrant work ethic, you know, from when I was a kid. And then couple that with being in such a, uh, a, you know, right outside the city, the, the that hustles you know that never sleeps um so entrepreneurship or an entrepreneur mindset was always there uh my father encouraged it um growing up i, I and i talk about in the book some of the things i was involved with entrepreneur, you know as a child you know or <laughs> you know from an entrepreneurial standpoint um but nothing that serious i mean i i <laughs> i remember um And I chuckle thinking back at it, but when uh, phone cards, remember we had pagers, pagers and beepers were, were a big thing and everybody would walk around with a pager. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And then uh, shortly after that, phone cards, prepaid phone cards became, you know, were introduced. So I got in on, you know, as a distributor for prepaid phone cards in this area and it was very lucrative. This is back in college. Yeah, sure. Um, the, you know, and it was very lucrative for a short period of time because before it literally, you know, corporate stepped in um, and phone cards were everywhere. You know, so that undercut the the little guys like myself and others. So but uh, but it was great. It was great. Um Lot of experience with that, and I learned about business. So, so yeah, I've always had a, an affinity for entrepreneurship because, to me, entrepreneurship is about problem solving, and being resourceful, and never really settling down. And that fits my personality. And you know, I've always been a go-getter and trying new things and adventurous. So. They go hand in hand with each other. Um, So even if if they were not for profit, I mean, I I did a lot of um, charitable type endeavors, if you will, which were entrepreneurial, um, although not from a business sense for profit, but I was raising money in the process and still had to do the marketing and advertising and the relationship building, the customer service and, um, you know, behind all of that. So I guess throughout my life, I've always been uh, a de facto entrepreneur, a uh, problem solver and, and whatnot, and uh, have always tried or aimed to provide value, you know, to others, too. It wasn't just um, something that would just serve myself. You know, there was always uh, that return because being a people person, you know, you want to um, be able to provide value. It's, it's a great it's great leverage so, so yeah, I guess that has, has always been there. And dad, it in particular encouraged that and uh, supported that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Very nice. Well, that was very well said about entrepreneurship. That was uh, one of the nicer, uh, nicer descriptions of it that I've heard in a long time. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so if you were uh, Magda, if you were uh, met a, a young person uh, you know, in their early twenties or something and, you engage in a conversation with them and and they started talking to you about their dreams of starting a business. Uh, What sort of words of advice would you give them?
2: Sure. Well, you know, more likely than not today, they have, um, you know, very high college bills that they'll be paying for, you know, for a long period of time. So they're living pretty leanly or lean (laughs) um, right now. But I would say you're already at that point. Give it your all. Go for it. You know, obviously, the the biggest factor is that people have great ideas, but they never follow through because of fear. You know, they're worried too much about, you know, worst case scenario. They're worried about failing or they're worried about what others would think. And I think entrepreneurs who, you know, succeed and really succeed in a big way have let go of those anchors. So, speaking to a young person, I mean, if, if I had um, any amount of time, I would ask them those questions, uh, much like an interview, and ask them what their fear is, and you know, kind of get a basis of are they doing it, or, or you know, are they independent enough? Do they believe in themselves enough to go forth and pursue it and not be afraid to fail? Because we all know all entrepreneurs have failed many times before they were successful. Um, And if they were not, you know, in that space, if they were doing it for the wrong reasons or if they were doing it with too many um, anchors holding them down, I would suggest first that they take an introspective look at themselves. I would ask them the hard questions and, you know, have them reflect upon that. And perhaps they would be best off not pursuing it. If they're doing it for the wrong reasons, but I think if they're really passionate about what it is that they want to do, they will figure out a way to do it, especially today. There's no shortage of resources and opportunity out there. So to the young, young people who just, you know, in their 20s, haven't lived as many years on the planet, such as you or I, uh, you know, I would say, make sure you're doing this because you're passionate. And, you you know, if you are passionate, and you're doing it for yourself, not to please somebody or live up to somebody else's expectations or doing it for the wrong reasons, go for it, take the risk, grow, if you fail, you're still going to grow, you're going to learn about something about yourself. But if you are tethered, to doing it for somebody else or because you think you're supposed to be doing it, but your your heart is really not there and you don't have the the um, discipline to do what it takes to be able to succeed, and that may not come for a long time, then that may not be the right time to pursue it. So uh, I would encourage and try to help that young person to really identify first if they're serious if they're truly serious about it not if they say they're serious but if they really are serious and that's a conversation they have to have with themselves ultimately um because people obviously you know say one thing uh publicly into others but you know you have to be real with yourself um if uh, anybody goes to thefreedomtriangle.com i do have a free download available and it's not just for entrepreneurs, it's for anybody in life. And it does ask three specific questions. Um, they could download it, print it and reflect upon those and answers. And some of what, some of what I just spoke about with, um, your specific scenario with, uh, you know, young entrepreneurs in their twenties, if they did this download, um, Three secrets to the freedom to finding the, your freedom triangle, they may be uh, a little bit more ahead of the game in truly understanding whether, you know, understanding themselves and whether what they want to pursue is legitimate or if it's a byproduct of something else that's going on.
0: Yeah. Magda, uh, that was really good. You've been a, a just a fascinating guest. Uh, you've really done this wide spectrum of various things in your life uh, all very inspiring. Um is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't?
2: I, no, I I uh you know I wish um you know that your audience is able to take value from this either you know by example or uh you know uh, perhaps some actionable steps with something I shared and I encourage uh anybody who wishes to reach out um they can go to my website, magdakhalifa.com, and then I have links to everything on there, the Freedom Triangle, um, the book, and Triangle Fragrance as well, if there was something specific uh, they were looking for, um, and we can connect on social media. But yeah, I'm absolutely excited to you know see um, what, what the generations today that are going through the times that we live in right now, what they develop, because sure thing, we're going to see some amazing advances and new companies and innovations come out of what's going on right now. And it it would be absolutely wonderful to see younger generations use what they have going for themselves. You know, they're much more technologically savvy than you and I were at their age. Um, It would be wonderful to see them put that to use and develop something to, you know, to serve our country, serve the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, Magda, you've been a a fabulous guest. Uh, You've shared a lot of inspirational and motivating things with our listeners. I very much appreciate you being on the show. Thank you.
2: Bella, thank you very much.
1: You know, Bela, in the U S at least, there's a lot of talk about how to help veterans coming back from serving in Iraq and Afghanistan move on to the next phase of their career and their life. And, you know, I think Magda had just a really compelling story as an example of somebody who did this. Uh, How do you see entrepreneurship as part of the equation uh, in this story of trying to help veterans uh, move on to the next chapter of their life?
0: Well, you know, Mike, I I think this is really interesting. Uh, If you look at some of the characteristics and traits um, that uh, people say are important to be a successful entrepreneur. And there are, you know, uh, been studies have been done about this. They talk about things like self-reliance. They talk about leadership, uh, self-confidence, uh, this attitude of getting things done. Um, those are all important characteristics. And I think oftentimes military experience, uh, particularly military experience uh, in the field of uh, combat, uh, give you and prepare you with some of those characteristics and traits. Um, and you know, there's certain things I think you learn when you're in the military, uh, that you can then apply in this entrepreneurial, uh, path. And I think, uh, Magda is a great example of that. Uh, she learned self-reliance and leadership from her various different tours of duty. Uh, she clearly got a a lot of self-confidence, uh, and, and this get, get it done attitude. And so I think that's worked well. And, uh, I think that's a, another great way of sort of taking once taking elements of something that you learn in one aspect of your life or in one phase of your life, and then applying some of those into the next phase or following phases. And I think, uh, she was a great example of that.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, Bela. So what do you think from the policy side or the resources side in the U.S. anyways, um, what resources are out there to help veterans that might be listening that are interested in uh, putting a toe in the water with entrepreneurship?
0: Well, specifically, uh, if you're interested in entrepreneurship and building a business, uh, the SBA, which stands for Small Business Administration, their website is sba.gov. Uh, They have a division or a branch, if you want to call it, uh, called the Office of Veterans Business Development. And they have all sorts of resources uh, to help veterans uh, start businesses, uh, to provide them with mentors uh, and other forms of assistance. And also let's remember uh, that uh, in the United States, There are various different designations for businesses, and one of them is a veteran-owned business. And if you have a veteran-owned business, you can get certain benefits, and uh, I'll use the word preferential treatment, uh, for various different uh, government contracts and public sector uh, relationships. And this is true both at uh, the federal level and also at many, I don't know if all, but probably all state levels as well. Uh, So it's really a good program. Uh, It's something to uh, check out. And again, it's sba.gov. The other aspect is many states and uh, other uh, counties uh, have programs for veterans as well. Again, specifically thinking of veterans who are interested in starting a business or who have a business. Uh, And so you got to check out your state government programs and your regional programs as well.
1: Agreed, Bela. I think this is something that could be really helpful for um, a lot of people who either are veterans or no veterans uh, that are interested in getting a start in business. Um, Every resource out there, uh, you should leave no stone unturned, right, in terms of figuring out where to access mentoring, where to access things like incubation, where to access things like funding. And uh, it's definitely um, something that's worth looking into. What else about the interview with Magna struck you as interesting, Bela? So, you
0: know, I think her approach of uh, what one can be called omni-channel entrepreneurship, uh, meaning uh, she's doing a lot of different things, uh, which might go contrary to what uh, some professors like you and I uh, and books uh, uh, talk about. Oftentimes, uh, the, the sort of common rule of thumb Is that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you should be laser focused on one element, one sector, one business, right? You're going to be, you're going to build a financial planning software company. Uh, so it's going to be very, very laser focused. Uh, and I think Magda took this omni-channel approach, which is, you know, she, she wrote a book. Uh, she does a lot of speaking, motivational speaking, uh, and she started this fragrance company, which she's just getting launched, uh, so I think there's there's a you know you got to figure out what works for you. So I, I don't want to be uh, I, I don't want at all say that one approach is the right approach and, and another one's better than the other. Uh, I think the point here is you got to figure out what works for you, right? There are some folks who are laser focused, they have found their passion and their passion is to do this one thing. Other individuals' passion is to do many different things, and that's what gives them satisfaction. And happiness and I think that either of those approaches works fine and, and in many ways Magda is developing her brand right by writing a book by speaking by building this fragrance company those are all elements of what she does and they're all important and they're all good and I think it's a great approach to entrepreneurship that oftentimes does not get as much attention as it should What did you think, Mike?
1: Totally agree, Bela. I mean, there's different paths for different people. And, you know, you could see it took a lot of soul searching and kind of understanding who she was and how she changed uh, during her service and where she wanted to go next. And I think that this is a totally legitimate way for some people. And so you got to pick the path that works for you. And again, this is where mentoring and um, having good people to give you guidance and advice uh, who know you uh, is really important and can, can kind of help you find your path. And, um, you know, there's lots of different paths to success and happiness. And, you know, you and I have always encouraged our students, it's not necessarily how much money you make or how large the company is that you found or uh, what your job title is or whatever. Um, it's, you know, do you feel good about what you're doing? Are you adding value to the world? Um, are you doing things that make you learn and grow as a human? And there's lots of different paths to get there. And I think if we try to put people in boxes or say there's one way to do things, we get ourselves in trouble. So this is a nice reminder that there's definitely many paths to being a successful entrepreneur, Bela.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. So Mike, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an immigrant. Uh, you, you have, uh, I think your parents were immigrants you were born in the United States. Is that that's right, correct?
1: No, great. My great grandparents were immigrants. So you're great. But I'm an immigrant now, Bailey. Exactly. exactly. I'm an immigrant. I that's- immigrated to Germany.
0: And you and 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 you decided to immigrate. You decided exactly. to immigrate, right? It was exactly. it was a conscious decision. It was not in, as in my case, there was a revolution going on in Hungary, and uh, we decided it was uh, time to get out. Uh, and in your case, you decided to immigrate to, from United States into Germany. Uh, mm-hmm. so let, what, what role do you think immigration plays in sort of the entrepreneurship story?
1: It's an interesting question. And, you know, I look back on my grandparents and great grandparents who were entrepreneurs. Um, and, uh, and I look at kind of the, at least the kind of the immigrants that I've known throughout the years, um, from all over the world, uh, Latin America, Asia, Uh, The Middle East, uh, Europe, um, I've had great friends that have come from all over the world. And one of the themes that I see is that for you to pick up and go to another country, whether it was kind of in your parents case, because of war or um, upheaval, or whether it's just to make a better life for yourself or your family. Um, I think there are some traits and I think it really goes back to what you said about military experience and entrepreneurship. And it kind of struck me when you said that, that it's kind of the same thing with entrepreneurs that, you know, a you got to have some guts to go and do this. So you got to be willing to take some risk. OK, first and foremost, immigrating, it, there's some risk involved. Do I stay? Is it dangerous? Is it going to be more dangerous when I go? What's going to happen? So you have to have some risk. You definitely have to have some self-awareness. Um, and adaptability. You're going into a new situation. You have to adapt. I struggle to adapt. And believe me, the difference between the U.S. and Germany is not so big compared to lots of other places that people immigrate to. But um, but you really need to be adaptable. You, you kind of need to be self-motivated. Nobody's going to come and do things for you, even though you don't totally speak the language or don't understand the customs of the culture. You just got to go and try it. Um, and then, you know, you've got things like uh, the idea of of really having to be uh, having some confidence in yourself and being able to have this this attitude that, you know, when stuff goes wrong because you're living in a country where you don't fully understand everything that you just say, OK, let's figure it out. And let's fix it. And let's make it work. So I think that that's something if I think about all the people that I know that immigrated from one place to another, they had a lot of these characteristics and to really pick yourself up and replant yourself in a new place. Um, and make new friends and adapt to different culture, different food, different language, different systems, different rules, um, and try to find some way to make you fit where you're not quite, I'll never be confused for being a German, Bela, right? Um, And, you know, how do you, how do you adapt? And when you're a little kid, I think it's a lot easier, um, you know, but I think right when you were little, people knew you were different, and there's always that differentness, And sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it can be hurtful. So I don't know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I think there's a lot there. And it goes back to what you said about people who had military experience make good entrepreneurs. I think you can hold the same thing. Uh, A lot of people who are immigrants really um, make good entrepreneurs, not only for the economic reasons of I got to support myself when I'm here, but these traits that you need and these characteristics that you need to survive when you pull yourself up by the roots and wind up somewhere else um, is the same thing that entrepreneurs need to do in a competitive environment. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Was I making any sense or am I full of it?
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Mike. You, you've been there now almost two years in Germany? More
1: than two, almost two and a half.
0: Oh, okay. So what, what's the one or two things that uh, were most surprising to you as to, you know, not whether they're difficult or easy. That's, that's not the question. But just what are one of the two things that, as you reflect back on it, you said, oh my gosh, I totally did not expect this.
1: That's, a, that's an interesting question, Bela. And I think um, one of the things is it's been a big challenge to make friends here is the same way that I make friends in the U.S. And I ha- we have friends, but it's just a much slower process. And I knew about this, but to actually see it in action is really kind of interesting. So even like when you're walking down the street, you don't make eye contact with people and you don't really talk to people unless you have a reason to. So there isn't the same amount of kind of casual small talk they call it here um and um and so you don't kind of meet people that way and then even when you meet people like people keep work and private life very separate so you really have to know somebody a long time before they like would invite you over for dinner or invite you to go out for dinner it's just not common um and, you know, people grow up in the same place. They don't move as much as they do in the U.S. So people, they live here. Their kids lived here. Their friends are all here from when they were kids. And it's hard to kind of break in, especially when your language skills aren't so so hot. So, you know, we've got a nice circle of friends, but it's nowhere near the size of what we had in the U.S., any place that we've ever lived. So that was kind of an interesting challenge. And, again, that kind of, you know, I wouldn't go so far as, call it well, isolation or whatever. But, you know, you have to adapt to that. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, And you have to come up with new things to do. So, so, so that I, was kind of the the biggest thing that I think has taken adjustment.
0: Yeah, um, so I think I think what you just said has some interesting elements of uh, that entrepreneurs should be aware of, particularly uh, in today's digital world, where it's so easy, uh, or relatively easy, to expand into different countries and cultures. Right. So when you go set up an operation in a different country that has a different culture. You're the one who has to sort of adapt uh, and 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 figure out what are the what are the right things to do uh, within that culture. because you can inadvertently do some things <laughs> which which will sink your business in that new land. Uh, and and they're totally innocent on your part, right? You're not doing anything malicious, but culturally, there are things that are uh, frowned upon uh, in certain countries that are totally accepted in other cultures and other countries. So it's really important to sort of understand that and study that a little bit in this sort of global economy that we have today. Uh, and, and, you know, y- 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 it's not just as the same as, uh, uh, moving, you know, opening a, another outlet or selling your product in another part of this country. And even in a vast country like United States, there are some, cultural differences between the East coast and the West coast and the North and the South. Right. And we see those and, and those cultural differences uh, in other countries can even be more uh, uh, white, more drastic. Uh, So I think uh, what you were talking about there and the challenges that you saw, which were revolved around culture is really an important thing to think about when you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about your business.
1: Totally. Totally. So, you know, it's interesting when you juxtapose these two kind of dynamics um, that Magda had going on in her world, right? One is this kind of military service and the other is being a kid of Im- immigrants, a first generation um, a U.S. American. Um, it it kind of makes some sense. At first you think, wow, this is a unconventional path. But I think it's kind of neat when you think about putting it all together is it makes sense and it works for. Her. So, you know, we wish her the best of luck. Uh, in her journey uh, to, to really build a business that's sustainable and long-lasting and meaningful. So what do you think, Bela? Time to wrap it up? You betcha. All right. So guests, uh, guests listeners, thanks for joining us this weekend. We hope you found the last hour or so interesting and thought-provoking. Uh, if you have questions about what we've discussed today or suggestions about topics or potential guests, please get in touch with us. Our email is mike at gmail.com.
0: Hey, and please do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Just hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcasting application. Remember, it's free. And you know, we have a lot of great guests in the pipeline. So until next week, signing off from upstate New York. Have a great week, Mike.
1: Sounds great, Bela. I'm off to have a pretzel and a beer over here in Deutschland. Auf Wiedersehen.